I'm Lauren, and I'm a veterinarian. I'm JJ, and I'm a veterinary technician. And you're listening to IntroVets, a veterinary podcast by introverts with high-functioning anxiety. Welcome, everybody, to IntroVets Podcast. What up, what up? The Snackisode. Snacky, snacky. Today, we have a couple of more pieces of listener mail. Before we get started... I just want to review plans for our Christmas spectacular (laughs) because we kind of uh, talked about it off the cuff at the end of our last episode in the middle of the credits. And I appreciate that sometimes people don't listen to the credits at all. So um, essentially what we're looking for are uh, Christmas stories. So heartwarming animal stories that maybe are Christmas themed. If you have any of those, you know, send them our way. Okay. And then in that last episode of the season, which will technically air like two days after Christmas, I think it's the 27th, something like that. Mm -hmm. JJ and I will be each presenting the other with a hand-drawn Christmas (laughs) gift that that is a artistic rendition of one of our animals. We need to trade those pictures. That's right. For <laughs> that is going to be our secret Santa for the podcast. That'd be hilarious. Okay. So that is going to be our last episode of the season. So, but for today, we have listener mail. Mm-hmm. JJ, what is yes. the first letter? Dear Intervets, I am an office manager in a small animal general practice. I manage a small team of between 10 and 15 employees. Traditionally, the office has had a Christmas party once a year that essentially 100% of employees participate in. However, I would like to have more office social events for team building and maybe even events like yoga classes to help with work-life balance and self-care. I am getting pushback from some of the employees about these events. They say they don't want to go. I say they don't have to. It's optional. However, they are arguing that the events should not be held at all because even though they are optional, They think they will be punished for not going by being thought of as less than a team player. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, I have other employees that are irritated that not everyone wants to participate, and they are taking the idea of others not participating very personally, as if it means that the team isn't close and all friends. I think everyone is making too big a deal of all this. I agree. (laughs) (laughs) I don't view these events. We'll we'll talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I don't view these events as mandatory, and I don't believe that they should be. Wait, and just so we're clarifying, you're continuing the letter. Yes. Yes, okay. Yes. (laughs) I don't view these events as mandatory, and I don't believe that they should be. I think it's fine to have personal time outside of work. I admit that I am disappointed that not everyone would like to participate, but I don't plan any sort of punishment, and I also think that I'm not the type of person to discriminate against other people. I think we should have the events and have those come that want to come and leave it at that. Am I wrong? How can I plan social events in the workplace without everyone getting mad? (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) Okay, well, um, look, I have been in this situation before. Same seas. Like almost exactly. In different workplaces. Mm -hmm. And honestly, at different times in my life, I might have felt like, the manager is feeling. I might have felt like the person who doesn't want to go is feeling. And I might have felt like the person who is like, come on, guys, like, let's do more stuff together. Same these. So I feel like I can appreciate everyone's position. Mm-hmm. So um, 
I did pull some professional opinions for this episode, but we will go to those last. So, uh, JJ, mm-hmm. you tell me what you think about this. <sighs> While I completely agree and I can appreciate the standpoint of, hey, it's optional, you ain't got to go. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I think that is the best way if you want to do these type events to have it, but just maybe give some of your employees some grace because they may have gone, they may have come from a previous place where it was mandatory mm-hmm. and you were just, if you didn't go for any reason. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm I'm not going to get into too many details, but I mean, I've worked at places where it was highly frowned upon if you did not participate mm-hmm. in the office outside events like and the, we we were we were told that we had to participate in some of them um yeah. and we weren't getting paid for it mm. which you okay, know we're going to talk about that in yeah. just a few minutes that, that as I gotta, far as how legal that is but. <laughs> yeah. yeah but i mean i i i get where the office manager is coming from and I think there are benefits to some team building things, but you just have to keep in mind that not everybody comes from the same place of wanting to do stuff outside work. And um, I don't know, you may have to just really reassure those that are worried there's going to be backlash that there's not going to be. And also maybe talk to the employees that are trying to pressure those that don't want to go to go and just let them know, hey, not everybody's a social butterfly. Some people have to go home and recharge after work. Some people have another job they have to go to. Some people have, you know, maybe they have to take care of family members that they, they you know, they can't go to these things and just yeah. be more understanding of being empathetic. Try to put yourself in other people's shoes. Uh, I am going to say like, well, they could. It's not that they can't. It's that they would be, it's that it is not serving them. It Mm -hmm. would be potentially harmful for them to. They would choose not to do. That's right. They choose not to do it because it would be unreasonable to ask. Like, Mm -hmm. so I don't know that we should even frame it as can or can't or should or shouldn't. But does it, is what you're asking your employees to do? helpful to them? Mm-hmm. Does it make sense in the context of their lives? I think that's the, the the crux of the issue there. But I agree that when you're in a workplace, you do take all of the things that have happened to you in previous jobs psychologically with you, mm-hmm. right? And so even if you're like, oh, it's completely optional, don't even worry about it. People who have been around the block and have lived through the school of hard knocks know that that's probably not legitimately true, okay? Mm-hmm. Even if what you're thinking about is like intangibles. When it comes around to their next review, if you're giving them feedback that they need to be more of a team player and in your mind it's this, this, and this incident or whatever, is it really that? Or is it that you're holding on to this, you know, uh, subconscious bias because they haven't been coming to your events. You know, mm-hmm. like, I think we have to kind of question that. Yeah. So, And there's also, I mean, even if the office manager truly, like, I'm not judging you for this, your other fellow employees may be. Yeah. And they may be resentful that, well, hey, I made time to go to this. Why can't you? Sure. And that's yeah. not going to do any good either. 
Well, let's start. So there's three, at least three points of view in this. We have the letter writer who's the office manager. So mm-hmm. let's start there. Mm-hmm. I think as an office manager, it's super reasonable to want your employees to connect, to want to provide them with a valuable um, experience to potentially contribute to like their social well-being and their, you know, uh, maybe even their spiritual or mental well-being. If we're talking about a yoga class, you know, that kind of a thing. I think that the desire to provide them with those opportunities is commendable and you want your team to function as a unit. Nothing is wrong with that. Mm-hmm. However, my personal concerns about this, you know, are that not everyone's lifestyle is set up to be able to accommodate these types of requests, and especially in the veterinary field. Most people work 40 plus hours already. Mm-hmm. Most people have families. Most people have other outside commitments. And so what you're asking, even if it's an hour a couple times a month, that's a big ask. Mm -hmm. An hour is a lot of time. I think that there are opportunities as a manager to provide those things to your staff and to support those wishes for your staff while not encroaching on their personal time. So that's my thought on that side of things. Yeah. I know that that might rub people the wrong way, but that is how how I... think about it. As far as the employees who are pushing back, I think it's probably because they fear retaliation, even though you're saying like, no, 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 it's completely optional. Girl, they know. Mm -hmm. They know that you're, you know, they know that people are going to kind of notice they're not there. Plus, the social connections that you're going to build at outside events might even have other consequences that aren't even like a tangible work consequence. Clicks. That's right. So we end up forming kind of like the group that goes to the events and then everyone else kind of becomes an outsider. It's a tough thing. And so then lastly, as the employees that are, you know, hearing that their colleagues are kind of don't want to engage in these things, even though they really do, I think we need to stop and ask ourselves, like, why am I having such a significant reaction to the news that someone else is busy? You know, like, what is it about that? Why am I taking this so personally? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, if if I've ever tried to pressure anybody for going somewhere, it's usually because it's something that I actually wanted to go to, but I wanted my emotional support person there. Yeah. (laughs) And so I'd be like, please go. Don't make me go by myself because if you don't go, I'm probably not going to go, even though I kind of really want to go. Yeah. But I mean, I'm guilty. I've had I've, I've definitely been like, please go. And, you know, it was a totally selfish thing because they probably had something that they needed to be doing or had rather been doing or just wanted to chill. And I'm just like, please go with me. (laughs) But as far as like being a cheerleader for, you know, we must do this for the team. That was, I was just like, "Mm, we're either a team or we're not. (laughs) Well, and I think, again, that there's opportunities for teamwork and team building during the paid day. Yeah, absolutely. But yes, yeah, so if you're, you know, if you're hearing this and you're like, but I really need social connections and I'm an extrovert and I like to do things and I want to do stuff with my work friends, it's, you know, those aren't bad feelings to have. They're yeah. natural feelings to have. 
Um, but I do think that a little self-reflection is warranted if we're to the point where we're like really frustrated that other people aren't wanting to hang out extra. You know, what What else can you do problem solving wise? Who can you invite instead that's maybe not a work colleague? I don't think that our entire social circle probably should be people who are at work with you right now. You know, I I think that that can become a problem. Yeah, you can. You're already around them more than you're around probably your family. Statistically, most workers spend way more time with the people that they work with than they do with their own families. And that's like on on the daily. Mm -hmm. So if you think about it, the workday, eight or nine hours, or if you're in the ER, probably 12 or 15 hour shifts, or maybe even 24s. How much of that time do you really spend with your family at home and are not sleeping? You Mm -hmm. know, a couple hours, maybe three or four at the max. Like, mm, I think it's asking a lot to say, let's spend more time together outside of work. Yes, absolutely. Now, I will say that at this time in my life, I am super biased and am totally the person who would push back against outside things. I'm like, no. I'm not doing that. Yeah. (laughs) Because I think as we've talked about earlier this season, I'm in my no era Mm -hmm. of being like, no, as a baseline. (laughs) And then if I think about it, I'm like, oh, yeah, actually, that would be good. Then I'll come back and say, yeah, that actually, that sounds good. But otherwise, I'm like, no, mm -mm, can't do that. (laughs) Because like I need a certain amount of time to myself. I need a certain amount of time to reset or else I'm not going to be effective as a clinician. Mm -hmm. And uh, if it's all taken up with social time and things like that. mm -mm. Yeah. Mm -mm. Yeah. I think you also should consider like, for instance, the yoga thing, like I would be mainly because I've never been to a yoga class and I'm not the normal body type. So I would have a lot of anxiety about doing that. Even if I'm going just with work people that I know, Mm -hmm. I would still be a little, you know, like very, I would be a lot self-conscious. I don't know why I'm saying a little. I'd be very self-conscious. I actually think for me, going like, and I'm a regular yoga class attender, I would not go to a yoga class that was held by like a workplace because it's more weird. To you know, like it's more weird to have that kind of experience around your coworkers. Mm-hmm. Like, no, that's very personal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'd you. rather be with strangers. Thank you. <laughs> uh-huh. Yikes! And um, I think you bring up a good point of like, is the social activity or other situation that you're proposing as the manager, is it accessible to everyone? Is it something everyone can equally participate in? What about people who have disabilities or other needs? What what are we going to do about that? So like if you're thinking about taking everyone to a ropes course, well, your wheelchair-bound employee is probably not going to have the same experience mm-hmm. as the rest of your employees, okay? What if we're going to take everyone to play something like golf? Mm-hmm. You know, that's a little bit problematic as far as like, um, you know, uh, golf clubs historically discriminating against women and minorities, right? And so it's just like you you have to be situationally aware of those things. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like the intentions are really good, but I don't know. Uh, I, I, maybe you can ask the group to like, hey, maybe y'all can discuss something that 
you as a whole might want to do mm-hmm. and then make a sign up sheet and then you can sign up if you want to. I don't know. I mean, yeah. I think sometimes it is good to have some sort of team building thing. I think that you're right, though. It It is a good idea to try to do it at work so that, you know, people are being, being compensated for your team building thing. Yeah. Like some of the things that I felt was really good when I was in uh, practice was like if we had like a maybe a slower time around lunchtime, have like role playing emergency situations where you involved every staff member. Just kind of like, okay, we have this situation. How's it going to go from start to to the back to the table? You know, what's everybody's role? It's a good thing to involve everybody in. Everybody feels important. Everybody feels like they have some sort of, you know, way to participate. But it's also good practice for when it actually happens. So I don't know. Maybe I'm weird. No, I mean, I think that those are great team building opportunities. I'm imagining like veterinary jeopardy, you know, uh, during a time, you know, something like that. I think that management starts to pause when they're saying, wait, I can't take up an hour of important clinic time to do those things. This needs to be after hours. And I think if we're getting into that, we need to pause and say, well, then how important is the activity that we're proposing, Mm -hmm. really? Because if it's not important enough to compensate employees and do it during the workday, I'm going to argue that it's not important enough to ask them to give up their precious and limited time with their families at home. Yeah, because, I mean, clinic times is is important, but it's not more important than, you know, the off time. I agree. I agree. If you're, yeah, I mean, if if you're like, this is going to place an unfair burden on the business, just imagine how unfair of a burden it could be placing on your staff. Mm -hmm. Yes. So um, for this, I sought some expert opinions. Okay. And so what I have here is some advice from previous entries on Ask a Manager, uh, which is a blog by Allison Green, where she talks about um, management and HR related issues and things like that. And she like gives advice and things like that. We will put the links and things like that in the show notes if you're interested in reading these threads, okay? I pulled from a number of her posts, so I'm just going to give kind of a summary overall of the points because if you go to her blog and search like social event or, you know, something like that, mandatory work event, you will get tons tons of submissions over the years of people writing in about like, you know, am I really, is it really okay for people to mandate that I go to the Christmas party? You know, all of these kinds of things. So it's an issue that comes up a lot. Okay. So one of her first points is there are a lot of ways to make your team overall, your employees more together and in it and with it that don't involve things outside of the office, like we just said. She says, quote, it is not reasonable to ask people to give up their evenings for activities meant to benefit their employer unless, A, it's truly optional with no frowning or sad eyes or needs to connect more with colleagues on your next performance evaluation, (laughs) B, you're paid for your time, or C, it's part of a job where it's understood up front that this is part of the work. That's a direct quote from her, and I agree with every single part of that. Same. For sure. 
She also talks about inclusivity and making sure that the activities that are selected are going to be appropriate and enjoyable and accessible to every single type of person. Mm -hmm. And that is a tall order. Mm -hmm. That's tough. Yeah. So keeping that in mind is important. And then lastly, uh, the legal issue. Okay. So the answer is that employers can mandate that you attend events like this. They can. Okay. Here are the circumstances that have to be met in order for that to be true. Okay. Number one, if you are non-exempt employee, then you have to be paid for that time. Okay. If the event's truly optional, then it can remain unpaid. But if you're mandating that people go, you got to pay them. The exception would be if you're exempt and you're on a salary. Okay. If you're on a salary, uh, then this is within the realm of, you know, what your boss can ask of you. So then she goes on to say, quote, when an event is intended to be a morale building treat, requiring attendance is counter to that aim. Agree. And I super agree with that as well. Mm -hmm. Because if you're forcing the issue, if you're having to force the issue in the first place, it means that not everyone is having a good time. Mm -hmm. And I think that was the goal. Yeah, you know, exactly. That was the goal. So with that being said, my advice is if you decide to have these events, make sure that they're truly optional. That means that you have done some significant self-reflection and decided that, yep, I'm going to be able to separate this from my other opinions of this employee and make sure that you maybe even outline a process for yourself. Like, here's the protocol of how I'm going to approach things like evaluations in the future to make sure that I'm not biased. Mm -hmm. um, maybe the person planning the events needs to not be involved in the overall evaluation of the employees later. Maybe that's a good safeguard. Yeah. Like JJ was saying, you know, a sign-up sheet and have different people in charge of making the activities. Now, you would have to have some oversight as far as like selection and making sure that they pick an appropriate activity. You can't just turn it completely over to them, but, you know, maybe have some separation so that it's less of a personal issue. If people don't go, it doesn't feel like a personal attack because it really wasn't your like pet project anymore. It was someone else's. Yeah. And then I would have a broader talk with the employees in general and say, hey, in bringing this up, I was actually a little bit surprised by the reaction. It seems like there were negative reactions like on both sides of the spectrum here. And so I just wanted to touch base and let you know that here is what I was aiming for. Here were my motives in bringing this up as a possibility. And um, my goal is X, Y, Z. Okay, whatever that is, fill in the blank. What would you guys see? as the potential solutions to achieve this goal, but avoid some of the resistance that's coming up here. I like it. And then I think we've talked about on the podcast before, like if you want people to maybe engage in self-care activities, things like that, maybe it's that you want them to go to yoga. Maybe you want them to see a therapist, you know, things like that. You can't probably mandate that. Mm -hmm. What if you provide them as benefits instead? That yeah. still is, that's truly optional. Mm -hmm. You say like, here's a stipend to join a gym or I'm going to get you guys a discounted membership at this gym and then you can decide whether you want to pursue that or not. I think that those programs generally called like employee assistance programs, I think that those are probably the most accessible and most fair options. Because also with that, you don't really know who's using it and who's not. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that 
to me, that also, as the employee, would tell me that they actually give a crap about you mm-hmm. as an employee and not just trying to solve a problem that they're perceiving is within the group. Yeah. And like, you can't just, you know, do a couple of trust falls and fix whatever toxic situation is going on. That's true. <laughs> okay. Well, hopefully that's a close enough answer. <laughs> hopefully that's close enough to an answer. Right. All right, JJ, I know we have one more letter. Mm-hmm. Tell me about that letter. Okay, okay. Dear introverts, I work at a clinic where the owner is very old-fashioned about appearance and dress code. Employees cannot have visible tattoos, more than one earring per ear, no other types of piercings, and no unnatural hair colors. Hmm. <laughs> Sounds boring. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, sorry, go ahead. And not very colorful. All of this is outlined in the handbook. However, these days, most of the participants we get for open staff positions have body art and or piercings that don't align with the dress code. Even many of the vets I know have a nose rings or blue hair. And I think these policies are outdated and are impacting our ability to attract talent into open roles in the clinic. But the clinic owner will not consider any changes. Who's right? Is it even legal to require people to cover up body art? How can I get the boss to understand that we are going to keep having trouble hiring if they refuse to change these outdated policies? Oh, boy. Well, I will say, you know, you can tell my, like, personal bias right off the bat because I'm like, that sounds like a boring place to work. (laughs) Yep. Um, (laughs) That doesn't sound fun at all. Mm -mm. Well, so um, I want to address the question of legality first, okay? Because JJ and I are not employment attorneys, right? We do not work for the Department of Labor. Like, we do not draft legislation. Like, we, you know, we're just... Uh, vet, you know, professionals. So um, I did consult uh, some professional literature about this. Okay. So um, I'm going to provide some information from the Princeton Legal Journal. This was posted in 2021. And the title is The Legality of Tattoo Discrimination in Employment. (laughs) (laughs) So we'll just start here. The gist of it is is that it is legal for employers to say, hey, you can't show your tattoos at work, okay? Now, there are protected populations of people. So Title VII of the Civil Rights Act of 1964 uh, gives protections to employees and job applicants so that they can't be discriminated against based on things like race, color, religion, sex, and national origin. But there's no law against like body art or piercing discrimination. Additionally, there are federal laws that allow employers to say, hey, this is how you need to dress. This is how you need to wear your hair. So basically like dress code and grooming policies and rules. This might include things like no unnatural hair colors or you have to cover up your tattoos. That is within the bounds of the law. Okay. I'll post that reference. Okay. (laughs) But now I want to answer the other question, which is who's right? (laughs) (laughs) There's a difference between being right and something being legally allowed. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Because I'm going to say if you if you feel like this policy or this set of rules is prohibiting you from finding good staffing, is that policy or rule serving you well? And I'm going to say the answer is no. Nope. I don't think it is. Now, 
We don't know in this situation who the letter writer is. We don't know if they're in management or if they're an employee. So the first question to ask in a situation like this is like, do I have a say in what's happening? And if you're not in management, probably the answer is no, you don't have a say. You could make a statement about it or bring it up, but like you don't have a way to affect change. So that is part of like reality acceptance, like we talked about last week of like, you don't have to be happy about it. You don't have to approve it. You don't have to endorse it, but you do have to be like, this is the fucking way that it is. What am I going to do about it? Mm -hmm. Change jobs, cover things up, you know, advocate for change. Like I don't, you know, like (laughs) you could pick anything. Now, if you are in management, but we're talking about rules from an owner, you still might have limited ability to do anything about it. Because ultimately, mm-hmm. in a private veterinary hospital, the owner makes the rules. Yeah. So what I can't what I can't really give any advice about is like how to bring the owner of the vet hospital over to your side of thinking. Because I do, I agree that this is an old-fashioned policy, okay? I think it is probably outdated. In 2023, I mean, it's... <laughs> I know more people that have tattoos than don't. Exactly. Or piercings that mm-hmm. don't. And if you added the tattooed and pierced people together, it's like greatly yeah. outnumbering everyone who does not have those kinds of modifications. And I feel like, in general, vet med employees tend to also a lot of them tend to have like a bit of an artistic Mm -hmm. expressive side absolutely and you just see more different hair colors and tattoos and piercings with people that are that way Mm -hmm. um i mean i have two tattoos on my leg i mean we're weird I don't have any tattoos, but it's only because I, so I have like a personal rule for myself. We were talking about this earlier. I have personal rule for myself about like major purchases, okay? Mm-hmm. Any kind of major purchase, which I consider to be over $100 or so. You can get a tattoo for less than $100. Well, okay, but hang on. Just <laughs> Just give me, help me, just hear me out, okay? Uh So a major purchase for me is going to be something that's expensive and or something that I can't undo easily, Mm -hmm. okay? So I have to consistently want that thing for six to nine months with no significant wavering in order for myself to purchase it. So I was telling JJ, I just ordered a leather chair for myself that I've been wanting for a year and a half, okay? I finally have made the decision that I've wanted it for a consistent enough amount of time and everything was good and there was nothing, you know, I I felt good about going ahead and spending the money on it and that kind of a thing. And so I'm like, okay, graduation present to myself, one navy blue leather chair. Boom. Okay. (laughs) So that's an example. There has not been a consistent six to nine month period of my life where I have really wanted a tattoo and that has not wavered. Mm. Um, It's been like up and down, like, oh, maybe I want this. Maybe I want this. Maybe I don't want this. Ooh, what if I did do this? And I got like really, 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 really close to picking a design one time and then just backed out of it completely Mm. because the circumstances in my life changed. And we're different. (laughs) And so now I look back and I think, what would it be like if I had that tattoo now? And I don't think it would be like terrible or whatever, but I don't know that it would be like, oh, I'm super glad I did that. You know, I would be like, "Mm, that 
maybe could have done without that. You honestly probably would not even remember it's there. I mean, I don't. Really? I never think about my tattoos. Really? Okay. It, every now and then, I'm like, oh, those are there. I I don't. I mean, when I if I'm wearing shorter pants where they'd mm-hmm. be visible, I don't think about them. Yeah. Really? I mean, yeah, that's it, so it does not even. Doesn't cross you know, your mind. See, and that's the other thing is, if I was going to invest in a piece of art like that, I would want it to be something that it's meaningful. I cherished yeah Yeah. or that i could see like i've thought about i've seen people get like a note from their parents or something like Mm -hmm. say they sent you a birthday card or something like that and you have that you know like to get that that's the only thing now at this point in my life in my 40s that i would still seriously consider or the paw print of my animals Mm -hmm. like i would consider that but otherwise mm, no. <laughs> yeah. I mean, because the two I have is kind of funny. One of them I got when I was in my 20s. Yeah. And uh, would I get that exact same tattoo now? Probably not. Geckos are kind of a thing that I like. And so yeah. I'm like, okay, I'll get this gecko. And it's just like, you know, it's there. It's it's a cute gecko. It mm-hmm. needs to be touched up because it's faded as fuck now. But, you know, I'm I'm not like emotionally attached to it other than it was my first it's my first tattoo. Yeah. And, you know, I had a fun experience getting it. And, you know, it was, you know, that's the part. But the other one I have that's, you know, the family one, that one's yeah. very special. Yeah. And plus it's new or new-ish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we talked about it yeah. earlier this mm-hmm. season. <laughs> yeah. And there's others that I want to get. There's like two or three more that I want to get. So eventually I'm trying to, you know, finagle like. I can't go by myself, you know. I gotta, yeah. I gotta have my emotional support people. Okay. So I'm like, come on, <laughs> I want to get these other tattoos before I'm dead. <laughs> well, so I mean, I don't have tattoos, but I do have like a yeah, piercing a at the pierced. top of my ear. I don't know what that's called exactly. I got it when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. I forget that it's there. It'd be the same thing. I've worked in clinics that have like one earring per ear things, and have been like, oh, I'm good, <laughs> forgetting mm-hmm. that it was there, uh-huh. and and not a single person ever noticed or mentioned yeah. it a single time, right? Yeah. So you know, you who, who a, is it hurting? No, <laughs> you know? no, nothing. I mean, there's nothing even like it's not even dangerous. Yeah, I used to have that same piercing, and I wore a little hoop in it. Yeah, and, and then, it could get like pulled. Yeah, but it's just a stud. You know, I just got, finally was just like, I, I'm just letting it grow back because I, I kept it kept irritating me when I was trying to sleep. But mm-hmm. um, you also had a little stint where you had some some color in the back of your head. I did. Now I have had um, hot pink hair. It was like half and half. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes it would go like more towards fuchsia mm-hmm. and sometimes it would be more like a magenta color. Mm-hmm. And I have to tell you that if it was not expensive as fuck to maintain that, I would still have it. Mm-hmm. But it got to be where I was like, girl, mm-hmm. I cannot be spending a hundred bucks plus every eight weeks on this. Like uh, that is not in my budget, yeah. you know, and I had other goals. So I kind of let it go to the wayside. But mm-hmm. I look back at pictures of myself from there and I'm like, I look dope as hell. <laughs> dope as hell with this. And I want you to know that um, when I, I, a veterinarian with this hairstyle was going in, I have never been complimented more on my appearance in my life mm-hmm. than when I had that hair. People would be like, oh my God, I love your hair. Because mm-hmm. then when I would pull it up into a little bun, it would just be like the bottom half. It'd be like a peekaboo surprise. Mm-hmm. Look, I would totally get it again if it was in my budget. It's just not been there yet. Yeah. <laughs> but I look dope as hell. Mm-hmm. So I am on the 
all the artistic bandwagon with you, JJ. I agree. Express yourself. I just, here's the problem, letter writer. I don't know that there is a way for us to convince your boss mm-hmm. that this is fine. Same way you probably can't convince there's going to be clients that mm-hmm. may even decide that they don't want you to work with them and their pet because you have a tattoo. That's possible. Yeah, I mean, I've seen it happen. You've seen it happen. Yep. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was granted probably 13 years ago, mm-hmm. but... That's not that long ago in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, I have had, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, um, this is a long time ago, okay? Probably 2005 Mm -hmm. um, when I was um, in vet school and a veterinarian was telling me a story about a client that had been referred down to um, a teaching hospital, okay? And when the clients came back, they were like, yeah, the dog's doing fine, but like our specialist had a damn nose ring. And like, how are we supposed to trust what they're going to do and things like that? And so I, now that you say that, I do remember that time. And I don't remember what the veterinarian like said in response. It kind of blew over, but it's like, well, so, come on now. <laughs> so, I mean, the entire reason that I got that, I mean, I liked the top of the ear piercing. Mm-hmm. And the, this was a long time ago, too. This was like probably late 90s. And someone that I was dating at the time, the parent of that person was talking about how we were like at a mall. Mm-hmm. And they were talking about how people that have the top of their ears pierced are are more promiscuous and the girls are slutty, basically. Weird. So I was in a particularly rebellious phase of my life, apparently, because I separated myself. Oh, you got it after that? I got it that day. I went straight to the, there was a little kiosk where they were doing piercings and I got it pierced that day because I was just like, you know what? Fuck you. I'm getting this shit today. So. I got <laughs> I got mine at the beach um, <laughs> with like my my dad and my family was there or whatever. And the guy that I was dating at the time and he was pressed about it. He didn't like it. And his family didn't like it either. Mm. We didn't date very much longer after that. We <laughs> broke up. Yeah. Same. Yeah. <laughs> I think I did date that guy for a little while longer. In fact, we got engaged for a while. But, oh, no. Well. But yeah. That, <laughs> what are you going to do? Yeah. <laughs> it worked out. It, yeah, everything worked out how it's supposed to. But it's just like, oh, really? <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> well, so, okay. Uh, I'm not sure, like, how helpful we can be other than just saying, that sucks. Like, really, it, that does suck. And I agree that it, in 2023, if you're going to have these really restrictive policies, The new generation of workers are built different. They're not going to tolerate this anymore. Like they're not going. No, the the pool of applicants that you can pull from is going to be small. Yeah. So um, I would just be prepared that like those really aggressive policies of like you can't have tattoos, you can't have piercings, you've got to cover them up, like all of this stuff. Like, mm, is it worth it to you? Yeah. If you're interviewing somewhere. Find out what those policies are. Yeah, I think that is a great interview question, JJ. That's a good point is just to ask up front, like, hey, how do you feel about or how do you deal with, you know, X, Y, Z? 
because and, and I just want to point out that some things, especially surrounding like piercings, could be culturally insensitive to ask people to remove them. Yep. Okay. So I think when you're developing policies like this, you have to find a balance between functionality. So, you know, do we want really long hair down or is a ponytail best? You know, like, is that a neatness and appearance issue or is it a safety issue? It's probably both. So how are we going to decide what is best for our practice, right? Same thing with things like long fingernails, which is one of my pet peeves. Because, you know, um, if you have long fingernails, it's, I think, more difficult to do some of the lab tasks. You There might be issues with, like, under fingernail debris. Certainly, that's not going to fit into sterile gloves well. Mm-hmm. You know, like, there's lots of issues. However, that could also be culturally insensitive, right? Mm-hmm. So I think you have to kind of find a balance between is this a decision that I'm making for patient care Is it a decision that I'm making based on my own biases in like cultural and religious beliefs? Where do those things overlap and coexist in a peaceful way? And where are they really bumping each other? And then like, how how can I make this fair for everybody? I think is the best way to look at it. Yeah. Oh, everybody just embrace everybody's stuff, man. (laughs) I don't know. I, you know, I should have looked up to see, like, are there any statistics about, like, how many people have a piercing or a tattoo? I'm sure they probably have that. Mm-hmm. But um might be good, you know, maybe to have the boss look it up or present them with that info of, like, hey, I found this research that here are current worker attitudes surrounding these policies. And, you know, maybe there is research. In fact, I bet there probably is mm-hmm. research about it uh, so that you can say, like, look, here is an unbiased scientific source that supports my opinion. Or maybe you'll be surprised and find that the research doesn't because I haven't looked it up. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I just feel like our field in particular is it would be really hard to have the those stiff rules and mm-hmm. have much of a staff. Uh, so, again, that's the second question in a row. I'm not sure how helpful our response has been, <laughs> but it has been exciting to talk about it. Yep. <laughs> so, so look up the research, see what you can find, and uh, maybe give us an update about how it goes if you decide to talk with your boss about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, guys. Well, that's definitely all the time we have for today. I think we're way over again. <laughs> if you have questions, cases, heartwarming animal stories, or anything else you want to send us, send it to introvetspodcast at gmail.com. And you can find us on social media. We're on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok, and it's at introvets. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. It really does help. Show do. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.